Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Brand Identity Design. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm an entrepreneur myself. I am also a corporate identity designer. And we are currently doing this series called as the Dark Side of Entrepreneurship, educating entrepreneurs about the adversity involved while you're in the entrepreneurial game. And these adversities are what, what is going to help you grow as an entrepreneur. So don't be scared. Don't shy away from it. Don't run away from it. This is what's going to help you. And uh, before we start the show, I, I want to personally thank all the listeners. Uh, who've been supporting the show from day one when I say day one season one first episode even till today uh, I also want to thank each and everybody who constantly hear us on replay or on all audio based broadcasting platforms like Spotify Google podcast Apple podcast we also available on Apple music and a bunch of other platforms as well uh, with audio broadcasting so I do host shows every Wednesday at 12 Eastern Standard Time and the, the shows on Wednesday are specifically uh, for my podcast. I might occasionally do other rooms speaking about business in general, educating people about entrepreneurship as so people who are actually new to the format of our show, I, I want to let you guys know that we're going to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with my guest, whom you see next to me, Felicia Ward, uh, for the first 30 to 40 minutes. 
after that we're going to have a question and answer round with our audience so if you have questions please park it please hold on to it we will bring you up uh, so that felicia can answer your questions and towards the end i have made a, uh, a little tweak and change uh, we will be discussing about the business side of what felicia offers get into her why why did she get into this business and uh, what is her offering what is her value proposition speak about the brand colors so in this way it interjects the point between entrepreneurship and uh, the theme of my show which is the identity design part you know the branding part of it so that's how i identified the interjecting point and that's how the show is going to go forward if you are interested in being a guest on the show although season 2 is full but i would be doing a few bonus episode dm me on instagram or on clubhouse whatever you are comfortable with with the word guest as long as you are able to articulate uh, what you do as a business and the value you bring to your audience and uh, if you can if you are able to communicate your story the struggle challenges and how uh, you know you overcame them i should be able to bring you on board and be a part of the show okay you don't have to pay anything to be a guest that's the second thing which i want to educate you and uh, i don't want to take too much of your time i want to quickly actually move to my guest uh, so uh, today we have uh, felicia ward felicia ward is an entrepreneur a marketing strategist and the founder of Felicia Ward Marketing uh, if you don't know about Felicia she is one of the marketing baristas at the marketing cafe one of my favorite club on clubhouse and uh, Felicia Ward uh, is a result oriented marketing communicating communication strategist who brings over 30 years of experience professional uh, expertise in public relations media relations branding advertisement and marketing she has done a, done her ba in journalism she has also received certification in african american studies not just that felicia is an award winning certified marketing director have worked with several of country's top real estate investment trusts she has received merit awards uh, from international council of shopping center which is called as icsc for her work as a simon property group marketing director at newport center mall in jersey city she has also received a strategic marketing award for the queen chapters of american red cross and was featured in the queen's edition of the new york daily news people on the move for her award winning retail advertisement campaign called as we speak your language as a marketing director of queen's center mall and much more her her bio is way very very extensive and she has a lot of experience i couldn't actually put everything in okay but i wanted to uh, let you guys know that this is a very interesting episode because on season 2 episode number 2 we're going to educate you why corporate experience offers no shortcuts okay so during this episode we will uh, be you know we will diagnose why you need more than corporate experience just to market this business now the reason i found this uh, title very exciting and interesting if you remember on season 1 episode 2 uh, uh, episode 22 actually I spoke to Just Turgis, and we spoke about why corporate experience, uh, you know, is required in business. Okay, and and the reason I like this episode is because Felicia actually debunks that you just require more than corporate experience to make it successful. So, so I I like the part one, and I like the part two, which is extensive. So I want to welcome Felicia to Brand Identity Design, and we can start off with my signature question: What is your aha moment? what inspired you to become an entrepreneur and take this step because you could have continued with the job in marketing public relation advertisement and you could have done all of that 
why did you decide to take that jump so let's start off with that welcome felicia oh uh, thank you so much jason for having me uh very interesting question um my aha moment actually came from clients always contacting me after projects were complete whether i was at an advertising agency um whether i was working in corporate um, i would get contacted when and be asked um, would you be interested in working with us as a consultant and most of the time it, it would be a conflict of interest so they would contact me after things were over and one day i just said you know what let me put together a rate sheet and kind of like investigate and just take on one particular project so the first corporate project that i black men they were having a corporate event and apparently did not have enough money and they were in need of a major corporate sponsor within like 10 business days and i was able to secure a um, cigarette major corporate company as a contractor and they were like oh we're not really sure if we're going to take alcohol and cigarettes and i said they're going to pay you twenty thousand dollars they said we'll take it <laughs> so that event it was a, a black tie event and they actually did not have an event that was going to be suitable for the corporate sponsor because of the amount of money they were giving they were giving double what they had originally had required so it was my concept that hey um let's create an event for them and we end up having a champagne toast room specifically for your highest paid sponsor that just came up and from that i got tons of requests of asking do i do any other corporate sponsorship you know what type of marketing and from that i just decided that i better start really investigating that there's an opportunity here for me to do something above and beyond what i'm doing right now and i also did it because i had been laid off four times and in those four different layoffs i had to reinvent myself and go from being in the corporate space to working in advertising working from advertising working in marketing and um each time i had to learn a different craft that was adjacent to what it was that i already knew so i started to pick up very quickly that it was better to be knowledgeable on different fields that surrounded my field and to make myself more marketable to educate myself about the um, different brands, different um, entities and what was possible for me. And probably having been able to pull that off and um, just from the contacts that I knew, um, I felt that it was something that I could do. And my father ended up being, it was an entrepreneur as well. And he had come from the corporate space and had gotten laid off and started his own business. And my father became a millionaire very early on into his career, but he worked really hard. I remember all the hard nights and looking at my dad going, what's going on? He went from Brooks Brothers suits to like wearing like different types of clothing and learning different things. And he ended up, you know, working, the, he worked in the fuel oil business and he actually was in corporate sales and was doing very well for himself. And when he got laid off, he went and got certified as a driver and uh, pretty much everyone in my family at some point has been in entrepreneurship or when you were kids, you had someone in our family that owned stores and his, um, his, what he said to me was that 
you have to learn every aspect of your business. And that kind of stuck with me that I think a lot of people don't understand that. That's why I kind of wanted to debunk the fact that you only have to come from corporate. Um, that's a huge big misnomer because when you're in corporate, you kind of have the comforts of everything and you don't realize how much of a snob you are until the comforts are removed and you become an entrepreneur and it's a completely different world and seeing the fact that I had to scramble to get that corporate account and all the hours I had to, to put into it was not, was out of my comfort zone, but in my comfort zone, if that's, if that makes any sense to you. Absolutely. It does make a lot of sense. I wanted to personally applaud you for pivoting when you got laid back four times. Okay. And you didn't stop. You decided that you had to upskill yourself to actually, you know, change the game, to move ahead in life. So I really applaud you doing that. I want to just reflect back on something which you said. Uh, you know, you did help a company to get a corporate sponsor when they had challenges getting one. So you were able to go that extra mile. And you decided to actually get into entrepreneurship is because your clients were contacting you after the work which you offered you know the services which you offered with your corporate job and they wanted to work on one-on-one -on -one with you as a consultant uh, because they really loved your expertise and i i personally love your expertise in marketing and what you offer in general so i love what you do felicia and i also like the fact that you know what you yeah. learned <laughs> I, I also like the fact that what you said that you learned that you have to kind of get uh, learn okay give me a sec my mom has come give me a sec i'm gonna put you guys on mute okay one sec Sorry about that. That was my mom. Anything uh, so from mom. Look, anything from mom. <laughs> no one's going to complain about mom. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Felicia. So, so you realize that you had to actually learn every aspect of your business uh, that kind of, you know, explode, start, you know, giving you a broader mindset. And you realize that while you're actually having a corporate job, and I totally agree, corporate job does offer a comfortable space for you. And entrepreneurship really puts you to the test because you have to really start from zero. We would be get, getting, uh, you know, further in that uh, topic or why you need more than corporate experience. But before that, I wanted to quickly uh, ask you, tell us some of the challenges you started off with as an entrepreneur in the beginning of your business. And how did you overcome these challenges and what did you really learn from it? The first thing is, I think as an entrepreneur, the first and more, the primary thing is mindset. Um, I had to change my mindset. When you're an employee, um, even if you're a senior manager that I was, you're still, um, you're looking at doing a job, doing it well, and your, your performance every day you're getting paid. And you have to change your mindset that, um, you're going to get paid on Sat when you're not at work Saturday and Sunday, you're still being paid. When people are posting on Instagram during the day and they're at work, they're being paid. When you're an entrepreneur, if you don't actually get results, you don't get paid. So you could show up every day, seven days a week and not receive money. That's a huge mindset shift. And the other thing is, I think, uh, really important is that you have to be an eternal learner that when you're at your job, you become very good at your job. 
um, then you start getting kind of more insightful at the job that you're performing. But when you're an entrepreneur, every day you're made to feel dumb in something. And you have to overcome that and realize that you're going to have to, when you wake up in the morning, you may not know what a graphic designer is, but by the end of the day, you're going to learn a little graphic design and learn the basics of it. And if you don't have that determination and you haven't set that within yourself, that there's, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's a series of challenges. And I think that if you have a different type of mindset and you want to stay comfortable, then you will perceive them differently. You will perceive them as roadblocks. Um, I hear people talk about self-care and part of the self-care and terminology and everything is about manifesting. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to actually have results. If you don't have hard, create tangible results, things are not going to happen for you. So it makes it, it, it makes everything a lot more stark um, and a lot more real. You have to be authentic with yourself. If you're a lazy person, whatever the different hangups that you have, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to pull it together and you have to pull it together on your own merit. In other words, distractions, attaboys, people telling you you're good, you're doing a good job. Um, how can I help you? You're going to be alone a lot. And if you don't have the resolve within yourself to try to figure things out, one, and number two, as an entrepreneur, learning how to ask for help when you need it or asking to having a mentor that can either direct you in the right direction, um, give you some counsel or tell you someone else that they could refer you to. And I think that those are things that as an entrepreneur, you have on the ready because you have to make quick decisions. And I call those decisions executive decisions that you have to make in order to move forward um, to conserve your brain energy because you have to be, it's like climbing a mountain. You're constantly climbing a mountain and it's not going to stop. So it's too late to go back so you have to keep moving forward. And I think when you're at your job, what no matter what that job is, at the end of the day, everybody goes, ah, well, that day's over and you know, tomorrow's a new day. Well, it's a new day and you have this respite. And I think as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to stay on the edge and that no tomorrow, that whatever you didn't finish tomorrow, you're gonna have to continue to finish that, you know, the next day. It does not end. So I think fortitude, um, being able to ask for help and knowing and taking a really good stock and assessment of yourself and knowing if you're strong enough to do this. And I know there's, there are people who you might think they're, it's, it's like high school people that are, you know, nominated to be the, you know, um, the most likely to succeed sometimes fail in entrepreneurship and people that you think are least likely to succeed do very well in entrepreneurship. And I think what most entrepreneurs have in common is that when the rubber hits the road, you've decided that you're going to make it. Whether you do or not, but the fact that you decide and you have uh, made that assessment for yourself and committed to the fact that I'm going to make it work. Whatever the situation is, I'm going to make it work. That is the most important mindset that you have to have as an entrepreneur. I, I am, I will, and it will get done. And when you don't have that, when you say, well, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it later, 
those people don't really make it as entrepreneurs because they're used to having the breaks. They're used to making sure that, you know, they're going to get paid. And I think if you put yourself in a situation where it's do or die, you constantly realize you can get through it. And then the more that you do that, the more adept and more adaptable that you become as an entrepreneur. <laughs> that was very powerful, Felicia. I actually need to applaud you for what you just said. Thank you so much, Felicia. I wanted to quickly acknowledge some of the people I see down in the audience. Natasha, again, a part of the marketing barista. Uh, so Natasha, welcome. Uh, then Melissa, my good friend. Della, my good friend. Leslie, my good friend. Uh, Yelena and Rere, also a good friend. And Kimberly, whom you see down in the audience. Thank you so much, guys, for you know supporting the show. I would encourage you to actually share the room. Uh, it acts like a social currency for the guest and for myself as well as the show. Let more people pour in. Uh, invite some some of your friends who you think are entrepreneurs who can actually get value from our conversation. Do invite them in and please to share the room I'd like to thank you uh, Felicia for that heads up I wanted to actually get into the juicy part of our conversation when I say juicy the actual title of the room so tell us based on your professional experience why do you need more than corporate experience to market your business you have to be able to navigate around challenges um, that is like the most important thing because in a corporate setting um, everything's in black and white, there are rules, there are regulations, and this is how it goes. The benefit of that is tremendous. Um, don't get me wrong. I think that being working within a corporate environment is one of the best training grounds that you can have. And second only to working as, as an advertising agency and PR firm, those were my favorite jobs because you had the, the gamut of different types of clients coming in and it made you learn about a lot of different industries, a lot of different compliance um, um, methodologies that you needed to learn. And when you're working in the corporate, it you get better at your job because that's all that you're doing is that particular corporate job. But when you become an entrepreneur, you're going to be a contractor. You're going to be a vendor. And no matter how many people you know, how many contacts you have, you're going to have to get used to filling out a lot of paperwork and verifying and justifying your business and applying for grants and applying for things. So one of the reasons that I started my business was because of that. There are so many people that don't know what the protocol is. People think they'll build it and they'll come. But when I worked for Simon Property Group, that was one of their edicts. We'll build it and they'll come. If there was competition in a bunch of other cities, Simon would find the boondock location and find where people have nothing. Why go up against competition when we can just build 100 miles away and build this great thing and then people will come and you have a captive audience of those of those people. So what I learned as an entrepreneur is that you're having to constantly build it and hope that they will come. That's it's part of it, but you're going to actually have to connect the dots. Entrepreneurs have to connect the dots and you have to find out what the protocols are and everything is a game. Find out what, who the players are, what the rules of, are of engagement and move 
along those lines. So once you find out that you're not going to be able to go through the front door of your corporate office and walk up to your department or go to the agency that you knew and get business from your existing clients, and that's your first knee-jerk reaction is that you're going to get business from where you currently work or through contacts that you currently work, and it doesn't happen that fast. You're going to have to fill out and become an actual vendor and qualify um, as a vendor and and qualify as a consultant, maybe go through a round of, you know, different uh, tests and, and series of interviews, and you're not going to get benefits. So you're going to have to make adjustments and you're going to have to make those constant adjustments. And as an entrepreneur, that's just the beginning. Um, then, as we mentioned, um, uh, upskilling yourself that you're going to have to learn that you're going to be wearing in the beginning when you're solo, you're going to be wearing all the hats and you're having to look at things not from rose colored glasses. You're having to look at everything from a corporate bit. You are the corporate entity. So coming into your office and sitting in your corner office and looking out the window, you're worried about your job. When you're an entrepreneur, you're worried about human resources, you're worried about compliance, you're worried about insurance, you're worried about things that you don't really, you haven't worried about in, in the past. And I'd say it's akin to being a parent versus a child. When you're a child, you you know, you know have food, clothing, and shelter, it's taken care of. And the little problems that you have for the day, playing with little Billy or Johnny, that's all you worry about. You grow up, you go to high school, you're still, you have smaller problems. But once you become an adult, you're having to worry about how you're gonna finance this whole thing, what the rules are, and trying to find out. And that's exactly what it is to be an entrepreneur. When you work for a corporation, you have a parent, it's the corporation. You know, Saturday and Sunday when you're off, you're not thinking about your business unless you're working. But if you're an entrepreneur, you realize that business never stops, that that corporation is making money and that's how they're able to afford to pay you to be off for the weekend. So you have to commit yourself to finding out what you do not know and connecting the dots. And whatever it is that you do not know, you find out. And my methodology has always been, who's doing it the best? So if the person that makes the best cereal is Kellogg's, I'm going to look at corporate the corporate entity of, of Kellogg's. I'm going to study what it is that they do. I'm going to find out who do they report to, who is their compliance authority, who is the authority in that particular industry, and find out exactly what it is that you have to do compliance-wise, legal-wise. What are you going to have to do in terms of communications? What are you going to have to do in terms of hiring? and operations. What are you? What is it that you're gonna be required to do if you were trying to get business from them? And find out as a vendor what you have to do. Find out as a consultant what it is that you have to do. And then study that, then look at their competition, their direct competition. Then I go to the next step. Who's doing it mid-level? Who's doing it small and doing it well? And now what's the gap? What isn't someone doing that you could do? What isn't somebody doing that you could learn to do because you're filling in the gap? Gaps are what make people make money because everyone's doing the same thing. So when you do something a little bit different or you bring something different to the table, you either have to have that innately of what it is that you're providing as your services, or you're gonna have to learn how to do it. 
and learn how to provide it. Like my father says all the time, if people could figure out how to deliver people hot breakfast in 15 minutes and send it back and with rubbery eggs and things like the number one, it's the most enjoyable meal for most people of the day. That's luxurious thing to be able to sit in and have breakfast. But if people could deliver it to your door and have it and, you know, to order, people really haven't been able to figure that out yet. So therefore, whoever does that will end up being, you know, a multimillionaire. So I take that mindset and I follow that through and what I'm thinking about doing as an entrepreneur and having to connect all of those dots is what those different gaps, those are gaps that you're having to fill in as an entrepreneur. You're going to have to go find out and you're going to find out quickly and you want to be able to be able to be as professional as possible and then that's another gap because people perceive entrepreneurs not to be together or they don't present all of their information together you're tested and the beauty of coming from corporate or coming from an agency is that you you bring that professionalism but at the same time i need you to get into the to the to the i guess into the into the dirt you're gonna have to get dirty you're gonna have to do some 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 work and you're gonna have to do a lot of things yourself and roll your sleeves up and a lot of people that come from corporate that could be a negative because as i said they have the mindset that what's for lunch i mean i i did a consultancy at a financial firm i won't say and every day you know they have catered lunches to all the brokerage houses from all of different vendors and one day someone said what are we having sandwiches like what's going on and it's just funny because i remember feeling like that and then was laughing to myself like you know, they have no idea how many people are being laid off or looking for work or need this food because it becomes your normal everything that you do every day becomes normalized. And when you're an entrepreneur, nothing is normalized. There's nothing that you can't say you can do and throw at an entrepreneur that they're going to say, well, I'm going to have to deal with it. I can, I will get this done and figure this out. And I'm going to have to, because there's no other option. And I think that's the whole thing. When you're, your back is not up against the wall, it's the lifestyle that you have chosen. And there's tons of benefits to being an entrepreneur, but one of the best things is that you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to basically rebrand yourself and reintroduce yourself to the world. And that is a huge feat and a transition that people don't think that they have to do because they'll say, I have 35 years doing so-and-so and I have multiple degrees and I have all that kind of good stuff. Okay, but now you're a contractor. I need you to go into the back door, fill out form 557, um, provide me with all proofs of insurance, three forms of this, you know, meet before a board and we'll get back to you. So you find out very quickly that you've been downgraded in terms of how you've been treated previously. And that transition is a huge mindset um, change and shift that has to be made very quickly that you are not as important as you think you are. No matter how much knowledge that you have, how much expertise that you have, you're, ha you're basically applying for positions, jobs, you're trying to get business based on who you are and you, the beauty of that is that you get to define what that is. You get to become the CEO, you get to set your standards and it's an actual opportunity. But a lot of people fall down and go, well, I can never compete against Kellogg's. I can never do this. I can never do that. If you have that defeatist attitude, you're never gonna move forward. 
So you're in this game because you think you can do, you can actually contribute something, you can bring something to the table and you're bringing insight. And the insight that you bring is that you know what it's like, to, I know what it's like personally to sit on both sides of the desk. I've been the person that's pitching, I've been the person that has been pitched too. I've also been the person that they said, today's your last day, <laughs> okay? I've been the person that says, and now I'm starting a company. So the insight that I bring to the table, that's my USP. That is what makes me unique, that I'm uniquely positioned, that I've been the have, the have nots, the have mores, been catered to, been demanding, and have people been demanding towards me. So when you see all those different points of view, um, that brings a whole completely different insight to a corporate company. It brings a completely different insight to someone who might just be um, you know, a market researcher because they haven't lived out in the trenches with other people who have been unemployed. They haven't been out there with people that are near foreclosure for their home or people that are working two and three jobs. I have, and I've also sat at the corner office and had a beautiful view and made six figures. So those types of insights make you more human to other people and they know you're a lot more serious and that you have a lot more skin in the game. And when you don't have skin in the game, people can feel that, you know, I'll get back to you in six months, you know, and people take what people say as the only thing. So you have to be a person that if a person is telling you no, then tell me why, what, how I can do it better because I will be back. And that's what gets me to get in the room because I go, whoa, she's she's serious. She's thinking about coming back. I'm serious because my boyfriend, my man, his name is Bill. As my grandmother said, he's so possessive. He's repossessive. He writes, he calls, and you cannot get a restraining order. If you cannot pay your bills, you're not going to be in this game. And if you don't commit to saying Bill is your best friend, do not get involved with anybody who does not know Bill is your priority people that don't pay bills, <laughs> people that don't know about Bill, it's going to be Miami, okay? You know, you know the, the rapper Pitbull, he said something very profound. He said, I'm from Miami. Money is a major issue. If you don't discuss money and how much money you actually need to live, what your minimum requirement is, and of course, what you would love to make, and what the downside of that will be, and whether or not you might have to take on another job, another project, another consultancy, figuring out your money, figuring out your operations, and figuring out your own personal fortitude will take you so far. <laughs> I, I really love what you're, uh, you know, you're sharing, Felicia. These are some golden nuggets. You know, when you when you were actually speaking, you know, there's a song which came into my head. I don't know if you know this song. Yes, I know it. <laughs> let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. <laughs> I love it. I know that I know that song. And I think that what that song is listen, that song is so appropriate because I that's another aspect um that we talk about real quick is that um your mentality is different when you're an entrepreneur when I go to meetings now or if I go to have a zoom or something and people are talking you want to get down to business as an entrepreneur and then the corporate is like oh you know he's going to speak and then we're going to have this and then we're going to have 15 minutes and then we're going to have team building exercises and 
uh, we thought we'd have lunch at two o'clock and I thought it would be, and you're all your mind is like that co-commercial. I want the co-commercial when he says, I want to have sex with her. I want to have sex with her as an entrepreneur. You're like, let's get down to business. Let's get down <laughs> to business because your time becomes so much more valuable as um, an entrepreneur because you have so much more to do. And because you have so much more to do, your tolerance level for BS, your tolerance level for people that are not really serious about doing business or um, you know, people that really want to take the time to think things through, um, your tolerance level for that is very low. And you really have to check that amongst yourself and realize that they're not up against it, you know? They're, they're going to be off for Easter, okay? <laughs> they're not going to be working or thinking about their business all the time. They have different things that they're going to be doing, and they fill their lives with their, you know, Katie likes school here, and, you know, how's everything going? All those different niceties that come about when you're an entrepreneur, that becomes something for you that you're like, let's get down <laughs> to business. So I love the song. I love it. <laughs> I'm glad we both were able to relate to it, Felicia. So, I mean, uh, what I realized from what you just said, okay, so the number one thing is changing your mindset. Don't think just because you have a corporate experience of X amount of years, people are going to welcome you. As an entrepreneur, you would have to start from zero because your job offered you credibility. That's why those clients were engaging with you. So when you become an entrepreneur, you go down the equation, the whole channel, and you become a vendor. And you need to prove, show them results that you know, you're capable of doing it. And as an entrepreneur, you are supposed to actually you know, build it, connect the dots, uh, have the vendor things done, you know, become a part of it, become a part of the process. So it is going to be tough, but, you know, that's what makes it really worth it. And as an entrepreneur, I, I, I think uh, from what you said prior to answering this question, and I, you, know, you, you are an eternal learner because you always keep on learning as an entrepreneur. Okay. Your success is actually measured in results. The more results you offer, the more you get paid. Okay, you need to avoid avoid any sort of distractions and uh, entrepreneurship is going to be lonely because, uh, you know, unless and until you prove that, you know, you can do it, it's always a question mark, right? So it's going to be lonely. Make that solitude your strength. Be open to criticism. Never hesitate to ask for help. Now, this is something which I want to really highlight uh, to you guys. When you ask for help, if you ask a broad question, you will always receive a broad answer. So when you ask for help, be very specific. For example, I have a closure problem uh, in my business. When I say this, the client responds back to me this and I'm unable to close it. You know, to give you a specific how to ask for help. When you ask people that, you know, my business is not working, they are going to give you a generalized answer. And, and sometimes a generalized answer may help you, may not help you. So I just want you guys to be aware that, you know, be very specific when you ask for help. Identify what is the root cause of a problem you're experiencing and ask people to diagnose that and ask them to help you. Ask for refer referrals. Don't be shy to ask people to recommend people who you think can value from your service. So those are some great tips, Felicia. Uh, you know, before we actually reset the room, I wanted to actually ask you another question. Uh, I, I remember when I was going through your bio, you did uh, state, and even right now while you had a conversation with me, you stated that one of your great inspiration is your father, who is a self-made entrepreneur. 
And he also stated something about another person called Harriet Tubman, who is an American abolitionist. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. So can you tell us a, a bit more about your inspiration? And then we can reset the room. Harriet Tubman, as you know, was an abolitionist. And um, she's one of my favorite people because she obviously helps free so many slaves. But what I love about her was that she did not let society define who she was as a woman, as a woman of color, as a slave. She decided for herself. And that is the very value. That's the, I, the identifying factor for me as an entrepreneur is that when you're an employee, you're waiting for direction. Okay. When you're an entrepreneur, you're making a path. You're creating a path for yourself. When something is not available to you, you either have to create it or find someone that can actually do it for you. And that innovation and, the, and having that type of grit for her to leave this condition that she was in and escape slavery and decide that she was going to escape and leave her family behind because they didn't believe that there was a better life out there. And she said, well, if there's not one, I'm going to find out. And then for her to actually come back and come back and free her family, um, to start a senior citizen home, to fight in wars, to lead men. She was a person who was a leader. And um, I think that's really important, especially for women. Um, someone just wrote a comment in, in Facebook about, they had a book that they were reading talking about nice girls don't get the corner office. And someone wanted me to comment on that. And I said, what happens is, especially for women, we're natural nurturers and caretakers and what happens is that you're you're socialized and you're raised to to take the your nurturing and your caretaking and the gifts that that you've been given to focus in on other people your focus is your future family your future husband your future children they're all going to benefit from your caretaking your village is going to benefit from your future caretaking excuse me and what happens is i was not raised um, to be that. I was told that you have a lot of gifts and you can actually use your gifts to help mankind. That's how I interpret it. So I will use my nurturing and the caretaking to share my knowledge and the intellect and the insights that I have with other people. And I think when you're raised as a small child that you could be a potential leader to your community or to other people, you're thinking far beyond just, you know, people have the old saying, you pray for your four and no more. I think what happens is that when women are elevated, they always enhance the village. They always think of others and they bring other people up. They elevate their children, they elevate their family, they think of other people because we're connected and we are natural nurturers and caretakers. But when it comes to business and when it comes to high level executive positions, things that are of that nature, there's a glass ceiling that gets hit. And when I was coming up, you pretty much had to make a decision that you were either going to be more career oriented or you're going to be more family oriented. And that aspect of life, I look at what Carriott Tubman was doing and I related more to what she was doing is think that she was going to help many, not just to be defined by herself and her family. So I relate very much to her journey and the fact that she didn't let things stop her and she defined her own narrative. She created her own brand and she ended up leaving this world a legend and she wanted everything that she did. 
And that's someone I think that all women can relate to and that the nurturing and the caretaking is evident in her results. And when you're results oriented and you actually want to actually help people, then you become a person of service. So that's still embodying and it's an embodiment of caretaking and nurturing, which is what most women are. Um, and I think that it's really important to understand that as an entrepreneur, when I say take an assessment of yourself, you have to determine what your priorities are. So if your priority is to have a family, then that should be the center of what your priorities are. And you have to be able to work around it, beside it and behind it and in front of it. And I was very fortunate when I turned like 30 that someone came up to me and said, you're doing really well. Your career's on this trajectory. You're doing all these things. If you're thinking about having a family, I'm going to pass on to you what someone said to me that you need to think about that, that if that your personal life and the aspects of your personal life, you need to prioritize to you what's important. And when you become an entrepreneur, it becomes glaringly clear what's important. Whatever your priorities have been in the past, when you're working a job, you come home and you're exhausted and just go to bed. When you're an entrepreneur, you turn around and you say, I'm working because I want more. I'm working because I have children. I'm working because I want to send someone to college. Whatever it is, when everyone else is sleeping, you look around and you take a good assessment of your life and quality of life has to do with the priorities and you get to decide as an entrepreneur what those priorities are. And that's a little bit different than when you're at work and you have to go to work for a certain thing. You get to actually decide for yourself what is a priority in your life. And you really don't get that. If it's important for you to go to your child's um, baseball game at two o'clock in the afternoon and you were supposed to have a meeting, as an entrepreneur, you can reschedule that meeting. That is so important um, as uh, just as being a human, being a mom, being whatever it is that you do, that you are afforded that. And if you have to work late nights, it's worth it because you're working for yourself. So, I mean, when I look at Harriet Tubman, she was planning things day and night. They were escaping in the middle of the night. They were creating call signals and, you know, to, to one another. Um, and she whistled and sang songs to let people know that she was coming and that she was going to be coming back. And people trusted her insight and her knowledge. And a lot of times they had to go off of her gut instinct, but she was deemed to be a leader. And she showed and demonstrated her leadership by uplifting her community, her race, people that were around her. And to have that many different lives as a woman, it's phenomenal that you she fought in a war and she led men and she you know freed the slaves and she had the you know the nursing home she married a man that was much younger than her she divorced um there's just different things that she's done over the period of her career and i think it's very very important that people not pigeonhole themselves to one particular ideology that you think that you're only capable of doing one thing i think that people are gifted by god and I think your talent comes from God and people limit themselves of thinking they can only do one thing. When I was getting laid off, instead of people, oh, I can never be an accountant again, I can never be an architect again, those things don't ring true. Because whatever it is that you want to do, once that door closes, another door is going to open only if you turn the page. And the only person in charge of turning the page is you. You have to turn the page on what's happened in the past because you can't change it. But what you can do is 
direct the momentum of your energy toward what's going to be at that next door. And if you don't know what that's going to be, start envisioning it. And when you people talk about envisioning and manifesting, make it happen. Make it happen. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care what state you are, what color you are, how much money you have, how, many, how much money you don't have. As an entrepreneur, you have to commit to yourself that I can and I will do it. And if you every day just do a little something to work toward that goal, don't just be about talking about it. As Beyonce said, I need you to be about it. I need you every day, if even if that just goes to going online and reserving the name of your company today, you've actually moved towards something, toward making and manifesting your your future for yourself. And I think what happens is people say, oh, I have five kids or, you know, I don't have a degree. All these different things, it's all negative talk. And what really pisses me off, I think, is that my favorite quote of all time is, all men's problems stem from their inability to sit in a room alone and hear their own thoughts. If you're constantly hearing negative thoughts, change them. Start speaking out loud so you can overpower whatever these negative thoughts that I keep hearing people were hearing during the pandemic and why so many people felt depressed and, and had anxiety and all these different things. You have to start self-soothing, self-solving, and realize and commit to yourself. And I think that as an entrepreneur, you have to resolve to commit to yourself. And I think that's just so important. Harriet Tubman, she made the resolve to herself that I am going to get out of slavery. I will get away from this place. I don't know what's out there for me, but I know it's better. And if it's not, I'm going to make it better. And she made it better for not having that type of resolve. People will follow you. And that actually has the characteristics of leadership. And when you have that, you're going to uplift and impact so many people who are sitting there and they're woe is me or I have this problem and this is going on. You have to be able to find a way within yourself to move the momentum forward. I appreciate that very much. I'm so sorry, my clat <laughs> was disturbing me during the interview. So thank you so much for that, Felicia. So uh, I, I want to quickly actually do a room reset. Uh, guys, give me just a sec. Okay, so so welcome to Brand Identity Design once again, uh, guys. I'm your host, Jason. And we're currently doing this series called as the Dark Side of Entrepreneurship. I'd like to thank all the listeners who've been consistently hearing this show live or on replay or on any audio-based broadcasting platforms. And we are discussing uh, today why corporate experience is not enough for you to succeed as an entrepreneur in business. So we are joined with Felicia Ward and we are having uh, this extensive discussion or uh, I would say brainstorming session trying to understand why it is not just enough. And, and Felicia has been throwing some golden nuggets back to back, you know, making us, educating us and making us understand uh, why why it's so important uh, to you know why it's much more than corporate experience so if you're getting value from this conversation i will highly encourage you to not only join the club do nominate a few people who you think are entrepreneurs and who would get value from our conversation please follow uh, the speakers uh, on stage whom you think did offer you value and you were able to learn something new okay share uh, the room on clubhouse if you have not done already uh, so that more people can uh, get value from our discussion 
and if you uh, if you feel uh, that you're getting value from our conversation uh, do join us on future rooms and and you can support the show in that fashion i also wanted to acknowledge some of the people who have actually shared this room stacy della uh, helena natasha kimberly leslie and all of the people who shared it on different social media platforms thank you so much for doing that i i sincerely appreciate it if you are interested in coming up and asking questions feel free to raise your hand we will be more than happy to bring you up i also wanted to quickly uh, acknowledge uh, my friend who i'm actually sponsoring uh, today i'm going to actually play an audio clip uh, for this so give me just a second while i play this hi i'm stace mcconnell the founder and ceo of the powerhouse executive did you know that according to Harvard Business Review, business owners that use public speaking as a business development tool earn at least $30,000 more in revenue than business owners that don't. And that's on the conservative side. This is why I'm introducing the Powerhouse Speakers Accelerator. It's an intimate six-week program for speakers who dream of making a big impact and making more money. You can learn more about how to speak to grow your business fast at thepowerhouseexecutive.com slash accelerator. Thank you so much for that, Stacy. So I have this link pinned right onto the top. I first of all uh, want you guys to understand this is a very, very exclusive program only available for a select group of audience and uh, Stacy whom you see uh, in the speaker panel been kind enough to actually offer this opportunity to the people who are a part of my club because mostly they are entrepreneurs and imagine you having more than $30,000 if you can generate as an additional income I, I think it's a dope ass deal so so I would recommend that you know you DM her the word accelerator or click on the link above to know more. So thank you so much for that, Stacy. I appreciate you sponsoring the show. So I wanted to quickly uh, go ahead and uh, ask uh, just a, just another question and we can start with the Q&A, Felicia. So my question is, what is the toughest aspect of being a marketer in today's world? And if there is any sort of misconception about marketing as an industry you like to debunk? Probably the hardest part about being a marketer today is obviously digital marketing is what we're talking about at this point. There are so many different platforms. There are um, so many different messages that are being hit by people. And it, you feel a pressure to do all the things. On Pick a few platforms. Pick something that actually resonates with you. But as a marketer, you kind of have to be on multiple platforms if you're trying to demonstrate that you have any kind of acumen on that particular platform. But when I'm counseling clients, I just let them know, you only need to pick like two. Pick two and actually learn that platform, be good at that platform. And I think the other part of uh, you know, being a marketer nowadays is that with so many different messages that are out there, trying to cut through to actually appeal to your ideal customer you have to be much better at mapping your customer journey um, personalizing things for them and getting to know them in terms of engagement whether it's social media or other platforms and other ways podcasts and a, a variety of different brand assets that you can utilize um, but 
getting to know your customer and appealing to them so that it's so specific that it feels like when you're in church and, and the pastor's giving up, uh, you know, his sermon and say, you say to yourself, it sounds like he's talking directly to me. That's the key in order to uh, appeal to your ideal customer that you have to be able to cut through the noise so that they only hear messages that are meant for them. So I'll give you an example. If you have a hair care product that you're promoting, it's nice that you have it. It's going to help grow your hair. It's going to make your hair look nice. But if I say I have a hair care product for balding women over 50 who have just went through chemotherapy, that's speaking to a very specific audience. And the people who have experienced those things are going to turn up what I'm saying tune into what I'm saying more so than I have a great aesthetic. Here's a great product. Here's a nice graphic. Here's some animation. Here's people dancing that when I'm appealing to the experience, you know, survivor, people who are in corporate who right now are terrified of being, you know, oh, I'm going to lose my job or someone who just left the great resignation and they've decided to start their own business. Um, and then you have people who are already in it and they're struggling. Those are people that I appeal to because I'm telling the story that I have. So I think it's really important to tell a wealth of very personalized stories as marketers because we, we're the magnet. We're attracting and bringing people in and we're drawing them in with a litany of different tools that we have. So, you know, it's the branding, it's the graphics, it's the music. Um, it's the colors. It's so many different things that you're attracting, but the message is the meat. That's the meat of what you're selling. And if I don't identify with your message, you lose the room. So you have to be cognizant of that, that no matter how many tools, how many platforms, how many things that come out, if you don't really know who your ideal customer is and you're not testing that and making sure that it's you're in alignment of what your product and service actually are, and that you're going to be able to actually deliver on the brand promise that you've created for yourself. If you've created this brand promise, make sure on the opposite end that people are experiencing this fabulous client experience and that it's true and it matches up. Because when that happens, that's when the magic happens. You know, and I think um, the myth is that um, you have to do all the things. And I don't think you have to be everywhere all the time doing all the things because you exhaust yourself and it comes across sometimes as inauthentic. And, you know, that's my belief. That is powerful. Felicia, I appreciate you clarifying this and debunking the myth that you don't have to do everything by yourself. And I really love the part which you said the message is actually in the meat thank you so much for giving us clarity in that uh, i want to quickly actually start with the q and a so i want to welcome leslie stay for the entire room because towards the end we're going to speak about value proposition uh, what felicia offers as a business we're also going to speak about her vision uh, you know as a business what does her brand color means etc about any promotions and upcoming Yeah, we can't hear you. 
Yeah, yeah, Jason. Jason I think you have to go out and come back in because you're getting you getting a lot of static. It's um, it's really messed up, and it it's making your voice sound fast and then slow, and then it's waving and all of that. If I were you, I would go out and come back in. Is this better? Much, much better. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, which part did you hear, and which part do you did not hear? <laughs> we didn't. We didn't hear any of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? Is it better? Is it okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I hear the mic flash. So I was just saying. Uh, so I wanted to uh, acknowledge and thank you, Leslie, Stacy, and Rere, uh, who has joined our conversation to ask question and answer. I also wanted to let people know that if you are interested in asking questions, feel free to come up, raise your hand, and we should be able to facilitate you and uh, get you know answer your questions. And towards the end, uh, I would encourage people to stay back towards the end because we are going to speak about the value proposition. What is your uh, why? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm asking those questions to Felicia, her brand colors, any upcoming events, etc. So I want you to understand that the there is uh, your personal side of things. I mean, what's her why to become an entrepreneur, which we already clarified. We're also clarifying doubts from our audience. And towards the end, I want you to also understand how she has positioned her business. So there is information and knowledge available in all the three segments. I want you to witness all the three. So Leslie, welcome to the room. Uh, do you have a question or would you like to contribute to this conversation? Well, first of all, I just want to say, Felicia, you are a powerhouse. You are inspiring. And it's just great to resonate with people that think out of the you know, that, um, that have that passion and know that before they close their eyes in this life, they have a purpose. And um, it's, it is a lonely path and, and it can be as a entrepreneur, solopreneur, but um, as a public speaker, I just know from years, going back when Dale Carnegie sales courses and public speaking was the craze. And when women had to wear suits, there wasn't dress down day. But taking all those tools and my wisdom in midlife now, I know I have a purpose and I know through rebranding and being creative, I'm going to follow that rainbow and I'm going to continue it. So you just gave me more just inspiring thoughts, your, your wisdom, your education and your walk through life. So I just want to commend you on that, Felicia. And I'm really, really enjoying this conversation. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Leslie. And the the I hear your passion, and that's what I'm attracted to is that the the passion. When people have a passion for what it is that they do, they can speak about it for hours. And I and when you have that experience, that wealth of experience, and you're talking about, I remember wearing the 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 uh, the suits, you know, and everything to work. And I remember the psychology behind that as well. And younger girls have no idea what it was like. That I remember going into offices and having to. Wear wear skirt suits for the general office. But if I was going to meet with the powerhouse woman, I would wear a pants suit so that I could be taken more seriously. And all of those different psychological games that you had to play, I think that people now are afforded the freedom to um, take on an endeavor, pursue something new without all of that baggage and mind games. And one of the reasons I do love working from home is that, you know, when you're having to have all these other psychological games that are being played, that's when people get anxiety and things of that nature. And if you just let your passion, 
you know, propel you forward and try new things and go for it, Leslie. I'm just saying, go go for it, that people will be out there to support you. There, there are audiences out there now that people are claiming people, look at how many people have podcasts. And the reason that people tune into podcasts is because you're listening to someone that you resonate with and everyone has their own voice. And if people would just fortify the voices that they currently have and really take stock of who they are. People don't remember who they are. And it's like we were made to be great. And I think that people forget that. And if you remember that you're made to be great and somebody somewhere needs your help and you are qualified, highly qualified to do whatever it is that your purpose and your passion will take you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And as a matter of fact, at 1.30, I don't know if people know Dr. Tachi. I met a collaborator and get my because it's that power I I don't know if it was just me. I couldn't hear what Leslie said. Did you hear it, Felicia? I heard parts of it, and then she started to go into the matrix. As they say. <laughs> uh, I heard the uh, uh, it, it was something it. similar to what I just explained. <laughs> Leslie, would you mind repeating that? We we couldn't hear you. Sure. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I, it's been yeah. really glitchy today. I, I what I was saying is uh, I do I have two podcasts, and actually at one thirty I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Tachi, who I met on Clubhouse, and through Clubhouse I've been making really amazing relationships and we're collaborating off clubhouse and through that there are other avenues that are opening up to me and and to a lot of people that i'm really uh you know uh joining forces uh so yeah it's just a beautiful thing and um and for anybody that's listening today just follow what your inner voice is telling you. Follow that passion, even if it's a side hustle for a bit, you know, um, until you're at a point where you could make that your full term, full time, um, you know, uh, business. But yeah, just really enjoying this room. And, and that's it. I want everybody else to share. So I'll let everybody speak. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much for that, Leslie. I appreciate you being here. Stacy, thank you. So great to see you. And uh, do you have a question uh, for Felicia or would you like to contribute to this conversation? I, hey, Jason. I'm really happy to be here. Hi, Felicia. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful knowledge, your wisdom there's a difference between the wisdom and the knowledge you certainly seem to have both and i appreciate you sharing that and i just wanted to say that it is inspiring so i agree with with leslie on that i don't have a question but i definitely wanted to comment on that because there is a lot that i can resonate with you know coming from the c-suite myself one of the major things that i had to learn was that you don't have to do everything yourself. And if there was one thing in leadership that I would have changed was that to take more of a mentorship role when, you know, someone, you know, like someone from my team would come up and ask a question, I took it upon myself to really solve the problem. And as leaders, that's what we do. 
And I mean, we feel the responsibility to do that is what I should say. We feel the responsibility to do that. But, you know, it's also about helping people grow as as well and as coaches and you know with Felicia you're you're in, in marketing and you're not only helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses but also helping them grow on a professional and personal level and I, I think it's just wonderful thank you thank you so much Stacy you brought up a really critical point about the mentorship I was afforded several really great female mentors and I started out as an intern and I tell everybody that I had someone come down and tell me that they wanted to, to speak with me and they wanted to know, did I write a certain speech? And I said, yes. And a lot of the interns had tried to write a speech to, you know, it was something that you had to do just to see what your, your acumen was at the time. And she said, you're an excellent speech writer and I want you to write on this. And I end up writing like um, the speech for the CEO of Sunoco. Um, and I was like 20. And he sent me flowers and it was like a big thing, like, oh, he's going to speak at the Greenbrier and he's selected your speech out of all his speech writers. And then afterwards, she proceeded to call me into her office to let me know that no one saves women from the copier. That men, when they're downstairs and they're an intern, then they're a male intern, someone, a male figure that's a leader will always come down to the copier and ask one of the male gentlemen after he's been there a couple of days, what does he do? What are his dreams? Invite him into the office, have him have coffee. And the next thing you know, he's no longer being an intern with the rest of the group. So she said, all I ask of you is to go down to the copier, go into the break room, wherever it is that you go and work and speak to other women, speak to other people who are interns and ask them what their, their aspirations are. And as you just said, a lot of leaders just go ahead and do something. I would do something and then explain it to them and say, do you want to know how I do this? You'd be surprised how many people go, yes, yes. And they want to learn. And so it, it, it's so imperative for me to let people know that no one wants to stay in the same job all their life and that I came up through the, the ranks and, and grew from uh, an intern to a junior account executive, an account executive going and kept getting promoted because I had great mentorship. And everyone, I think people want to pigeonhole people and say, well, she's just the receptionist. You have no idea what that receptionist goals and dreams are, what that administrator's goals and dreams are. If you talk to, um, you know, someone that's in housekeeping, everyone has a dream. And if there's anything that you can do to help somebody else with their dream, do it. Even if it's giving them a book get do it but i think that's what happens is that when you're mentored you remember what it's like the late sydney portier said he he cleaned he cleaned toilets but he was reading scripts you never know when you have a diamond in the rough that's somewhere but especially if you're female if you are in a position of leadership it's like it's better than any barbie doll that i ever played with okay when you see a woman who's confident outspoken intelligent not just pretty not just fashionable. I loved all that stuff too, but it's imparted on the person, the indelible, you know, I can't explain it to you. The impression that it leaves on a young girl, like when people are speaking, when people are going for courtships and, you know, running for the Supreme Court, 
the young people that are behind you that are seeing that you're leaving an impression, you know, so leaving those impressions behind people, but showing people demonstrating exactly what it is that you do is so uncritical because you never know whose life you might change. And later on, they'll say, Stacy was such an inspiration. You'll be like, who, me? <laughs> you know, you showed her something really small, but it was very big to them. So I thank you for that. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree with that, Felicia, because, you know, I would take it even a step further because I actually did share with, you know, my team, like, okay, you want to know how I did this, this, you know, but it was just the opportunity to allow them to think through it. And so by the end of the, you know, conversation, it really was their idea. So I would always, well, I wish I would have done this more. And this is the part where I would have, I've learned a lot since then. But if I had used it more often just to say, well, how would you handle this problem? If you were in my chair, how would you handle this problem? Because it actually puts them into that position. It actually allows them to think through it. And then, and then you could actually, because when that happens, sometimes you're going to see, okay, that might not work out because of this, but then you ask them questions about that and they really get to really think it through. And not only that, it helps them see things from a leadership perspective as well. And I absolutely love that. And, and I totally agree. Another thing that you said, Felicia, is, you know, really going and talking to people. It's, you know, they're downstairs in the mail room, getting to know people because it really does put you up there on a higher platform they you're it strengthens your leadership and not only does it do that it strengthens the relationships as well oh that's so true and it lifts the morale of everybody and people want to work with somebody not for someone people want to work with people and when you put people in and give people the opportunity to make a decision they if, for instance, if they thought, oh, everybody in suits has it easy, when you're sat sitting in that position, they realize it's not as easy as they thought. And it's also very empowering if they thought so. I appreciate that, Stacy. Thank you so much uh, for asking that question and, 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 and Felicia for responding to it. I think it was more like a conversation, not even a question. So thank you. So I see that Ray Ray is on a phone call, so we will quickly circle back to Ray Ray. Let's go go ahead with Laurie. Laurie, if you're available, please flash your mic. Do you have a question for Felicia? Or do you have anything you'd like to contribute to this today's conversation? Hey, Jason. Hi, Felicia. I didn't get to hear the whole conversation, but um, I, I think it's probably got to be part of what you share was, is that I think that you know, corporate experience uh, for most, I would say for me, it was a little different, but I think because I had the intention there um, is not all of what you need. But what I would say is a lot of the time corporate America's is not, they focus too much on metrics instead of building relationships, both internally and externally, because that's where the retention is, the retention of employees and the retention of uh, customers. So if they can focus more on those two things and then look at the metrics of how much greater of the value that is there uh, versus not having relationships, in, um, they would see that it's... Sorry, my daughter. <laughs> I'm glad she's agreeing. 
What you said is golden because everyone knows that when you're working corporate, you learn how to make money and you learn how to make money well and professionally, but their biggest asset in corporate America are the people that work for the corporate company. And by them not perceiving their largest asset, they should be looking at retention and growth of their asset. And if everyone was to be able to move up the ladder and be able to excel, make more money, learn more things, be, have training, everyone will be able to move up the scale and move up and move out. Everyone would be able to move on and become an entrepreneur, but instead, it's everyone's holding in this pattern because that's the formula for making the money. As long as they're making the money the way they are, but now because of due to the pandemic, the opposite has taken place, that you don't really need that corporate culture. You don't need that toxicity. You don't need people hanging over you. You don't need the constant stress. Guess what? People left to their own devices did their jobs and did them well. And actually worked more hours, an additional hour per day for their company because they were able to prioritize their life and do things within their lives that make them happy. And it's like a marriage, happy life, happy life. Again, what I said, your uh, corporate company is like your parents. So if you were to treat the children nice, <laughs> then you would have, you know, the happy life, happy life. And I think that people wanted to, were relieving and the great resignation was that people felt like they didn't matter. They helped these companies make all this money and they didn't matter. And people matter. Your, your daughter who's having a moment, we all have to understand that we're people first. And I think when you put people first, people don't mind the fact that your daughter's having a meltdown. It's part of real life. And instead, the imaginary life is in corporate. And by having this uh, corporate culture that you create for yourself, we're all on one mindset. We're all able to do a fabulous job. We're all able to work in tandem as a corporation. That's all great. But behind the scenes, you have people that are have anxiety. You have people that are depressed. You have people that have a mom that's dying or whatever's going on. And that impacts, impacts the profitability of the company. And then if you look at people as a whole and look at the holistic approach to business, that's a little bit of what entrepreneurship is really about, is that you're looking at your holistic self and you're taking a look that you're a multifaceted person. You have the ability to have more than one job or one skill set, and you're able to do it well and pursue when you're able to pursue the what our our uh, our forefathers had said they wanted us to have the right to pursue to happiness i think when you allow people and give people the leeway that people for the most part are going to do the right thing and when people don't do the right thing they'll get pushed to the side because they're not producing results but when you actually count people as your primary asset and you treat them accordingly then they are more inclined to stay with your business, to stay with you. And as I said, not work for you, work with you as part of a team. Yeah. And what, what I was going to say too, is, you know, I worked in sales for 20 plus years and that was the one thing that I was always excelled at is building relationships. And for that, I had the highest retention rate. And I think the corporate America pays too much attention to the one person who might, um, earn somewhat of, um, 
maybe the salesperson who whose numbers are pretty good and they've been there the longest. So they just keep promoting by time instead of by understanding the, that retention is really where the key is because that person who isn't, who's, who's earning the company a pretty good dollar, but not retaining the client therefore then doesn't retain the people they lead or the clients. So they, they really kind of hurt themselves in two ways. So thanks Felicia for participating in that co- uh, conversation with me. Great. Thank you so much for your input because you're, you're spot on. Retention is the number one reason that, that that people leave for diversity, equity, inclusion. They don't feel included. People don't feel included in the, the what's being done within the company that they work for. And instead, and instead of operating top down, if you would just come out and actually, you know, implement servant leadership and in servant leadership, you find out what it is that your team needs to move forward. Those are the two, those are the different types of managers that you need. You don't need leaders that are walking around cracking a whip. You need to be as a leader, supportive of your team and find out what what do you need that we can all excel? What do you need that you can, you know, you can do your job better. I'm going to go fight for that. I'm going to go, you know, possibly go get the food, <laughs> you know, as the leader, as opposed to sending the intern to get the food, get to know the people that are on your team and find out how they like that. Do they like coffee? Do they like tea? Um, you know, do you want to have a Christmas party or would you prefer to have a gift certificates? Would you like to have turkeys? You get to know who your team members are and then the productivity will come from there. The retention will come from there because people are happy. And when people are happy, they, they, the retention goes up, the profitability goes up and people refer other people like themselves and say, this is a great company to work for as opposed to pretending. And there's a lot of acting that goes on in corporate that, that, you know, everyone plays a part and then everybody else says something behind everyone else's back. And that can lead to a very toxic environment that people can't wait to get away from. And that was one of the things that when I was in corporate, I was excelling, I was doing well, but I was very cognizant of people who were not doing well. And that's because I started where I started from. So when I started as a junior account person, the people that are lower level in the company, they see everything, but nobody sees them. You know, so it's like being a housekeeper in a really wealthy person's house. They don't really see what you're doing. You're able to take everything in. And I got to see, I I got to learn as an entrepreneur, if I go into a business, I don't care how profitable they are. If I start hearing rumors in the front desk of people coming in that are contractors or saying that they haven't been paid in two weeks, that's somewhere I'm going to stay away from because that means I don't care how fortune 100 they are, they're not paying what? Their bills. Um, and they're not te- they're not treating contractors and people the way they're supposed to be treated. So there's either a financial problem or there's a hierarchy problem, and they feel that they're you know that they can just pay them when they need to. And you're more receptive to things like that when you're an entrepreneur. When you're in corporate, you don't worry your pretty little head about a lot of things um, until it's and now you hear rumblings of things that are happening. But when you're an entrepreneur, you need to be receptive receptive to a lot of different things that you see through the different lenses of when you go into a different corporate com- a corporate company, or if you work with a small business. When you're working with a small business, you have a different mindset. When you work with a corporation, you have a different mindset. So as you said, um, you know the most important asset that you can bring is um, having a heart for people. 
and a heart to serve. So if you have a heart for people and you have a heart to serve, no matter what location you go to work for, you're going to be more receptive to the vibe in that corporation, the vibe in that building, the vibe with the people. And that will give you a huge, um, you know, forecasting of what could come if you actually do work with that particular business. And not all money is good money or not all money is good money. Some money is bad money. And if you have to turn away bad money, so be it. Awesome. I appreciate that, Laurie. Thank you so much for asking that question. And retention is uh, one of the primary things you have to focus on. Yes, you might be able to get your uh, client buy-in once, but there's no guarantee they're going to come back and buy it again. So it's it's good to establish relationship. Relationship does really help uh, you to have a better market penetration and, and, and offer better services. The more the client is inclined to stay with you and advocate about your services, the more beneficial it is for your business. So I appreciate that. I wanted to quickly acknowledge Ray Ray. Thank you. I, I know uh, you had a phone call there. So do you have a question or would you like to contribute uh, to the conversation? And uh, we will then go towards the business side of things. No, I was just just um, here just for support, basically, in listening and learning. You know, I don't really, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I just find a lot of things, you know, that was said and stuff. Um, I don't I don't know how to I'm learning to how to be able to critique a little bit better. So I'm working on that every day. So I really will just pause for now and say I'm just supporting um, you, Jason and Felicia. OK, thank you. No. And I'm in a hot pink Ferrari. <laughs> Hi, Ray Ray. We love your hot pink Ferrari. Thank you so much for coming out and supporting us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really love Rere because you know I I think she's amazing and uh, you know Shinsi she highlighted uh, about the hot pink Ferrari. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find the clip which I played yesterday, Rere, for you. Mm, okay, there you go. So let's actually move to the business side of things. Uh, I, I want you to guys cool. to understand. <laughs> no problem, Ray. I want you to understand. Uh, you know, just listen to the, some of the questions which I'm asking, uh, so that you, know, you can also try to figure out and replicate. You know, apply it onto your business. So the very first thing which I want to ask Felicia. I hope you can hear me. I'm getting the red bar. Am I audible, Felicia? I can hear okay, you. Okay, fantastic. So my first question is, what makes your brand? or your company unique. So I'm, I'm referring to Felicia Ward Marketing, uh, the link which I have pinned right onto the top. So if somebody were to ask you like, you know, see there are there are thousand, you know, marketing agencies out there, you know, why should people engage with you? How would you respond to that? Well, I'm appealing, as I said, to my ideal client. So my branding is not for everyone. I'm appealing to people who have come from the corporate space and are transitioning into entrepreneurship, to uh, entrepreneurs who would like a certain aesthetic, would like a certain strategy and have a vision for themselves, but they don't have corporate money. But I'm going to be able to apply the strategies and the expertise that I've learned in working in corporate and apply a lot of corporate structure paired with the ability and the adaptability
responsibility of being an entrepreneur to their business and having been in their shoes and what they actually say they need versus what they actually need and coming somewhere in between so that we're able to work together and to create something that is unique something that is signature and something that's going to be strategic for that particular business owner uh, and new entrepreneur awesome so my follow-up question with that would be so what kind of market problem would your company aim to solve for that for those ideal clients the first and foremost one is trying to get together their basic foundational brand assets so that they can let people know that their business exists. Um, I find that a lot of times it's patchwork where they have one person do their logo, another person has done this or that, and they don't understand the simplicity of just having um, the, the unification of their brand and having a comprehensive brand that they need to be on the same thing with their profiles, with their business cards, all their different brand assets putting all those things together and knowing where their headshot is, their bio is, and being able to present themselves so that they can tell people about their business and that it will attract, um, you know, your message should be in the forefront. The branding and stuff is nice, but it's better to be able to present yourself professionally. And I find a lot of entrepreneurs are not able to do that and what I'll say to them is that, well, the first thing we're going to do is send out a press release that you're, no, you're new in your business, send it to the, the Chamber of Commerce, send it to reporters. Let's let's send it out to your stakeholders. And they're unable to do that because they don't have stationery. They don't have business. They got one business card made up one place. And what ends up happening is that, well, you're not gonna, your message is not going to go through and you're not going to come across as professional. Um, and then strategically, where are you putting your brand assets? And and strategically, where are you looking to market? Who is your ideal customer? Who is it that you're trying to appeal to? So those diff two different, uh, they're, they're starting points, but they're very critical starting points because they're they realize what a difference it makes versus having someone do like this real intricate, you know, logo for them and they're not able to utilize it. And they realize that you need to have all these different things in place because when I go to your different platforms, when I see where you're, you are, if everything is not the same, then they don't really know marketing 101. So people become deaf to their message. So it's, it's um, really important for them to actually, that's their understanding and having to learn how to educate people who are unaware of that. And the beauty of coming from corporate is that when you're talking from, to a corporate person and you came from the corporate office, they, there's a shortcut. They understand the building blocks and the foundations and they've been working every day. They know what a brand looks like. They know the importance of marketing. You don't have to sell them on the value. And on the entrepreneur side, you're having a lot of times to educate people. This is what a brand looks like. This is the importance of the brand. This is why you're going to need it. And then this is why you need a marketing strategy. This is why you need these things. Having someone that has the patience that can educate them and trying to work with people who say, well, why do I have to do all that stuff for me? Because I've been working for 35 years. It's the same conversation that you're having with someone who has no idea what a brand is. They say, you know, you're having to reintroduce yourself as a new entity. So 
you need to tell people who you are and you get to define what that means. That, that actually makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you sharing that, Felicia. I got two more questions and uh, we should be able to reach towards the end. Uh, so, so my other question is, what is your vision? What is your company's vision? And uh, what do you envision for your brand in the future? Well, my vision is always to just empower people to become more entrepreneurship into entrepreneurship. I think that the more, especially for women, to have that ability to start a business and start to build generational wealth for their families is really critical and important. And right now at this juncture, you have the ability to work at home with your children and not pay four or five, six hundred dollars a week in childcare. You have the ability to bond with your child. Um, if you're an individual business owner and you've been thinking about starting a business, this is like the, one of the best times to, to actually try it. And if you're currently working, um, to be able to be a business that encourages people to take that leap. And before you take the leap, try it out. I do encourage people to save six months of their salary. And if you're currently working and you're thinking about it, this is the best time to try it while you actually are currently working. You'll be able to test your business model, decide what your business model is, um, conduct market research on who you think your ideal client is, write an actual business plan, uh, work on your operations for your business, the back end of the business is the backbone to your business and um, create automations and things and templates, things that could help you on your day to day. And having that business aspect taken care of because you're an entrepreneur is really important. And as a business owner, I'm hoping to uplift people that they can get to that space and that they can find that it's something that they can do. It's something that they can try. And if they've thought about not doing it before, you can try to do it now. And I love working with people who have years of expertise, who are willing to, you know what, I think it's time for me to get off the bench and get in the game. Those are my favorite clients to work with because they bring so much to the table. They just have never thought about doing it for with themselves, for themselves, and dipping their toe into entrepreneurship. And it has a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to entrepreneurship. And then I just hope that Felicia Ward Marketing is going to be one of those companies that says that they've worked with, uh, you know, with a company when they were here and now they're here. And then at the same time, simultaneously, it was my vision is to continue to um, partner with uh, corporate companies and obtain corporate clients and let them see that there are gaps within their corporate entity. And that's that's something that I'm really good at at pointing out. There are things that they're not doing that they think they're doing so great. There's different uh, aspects that they're not doing. And I'm able to fill in the gap for a corporation to say, you're not doing this well, and I could help you with that. Awesome, Felicia. I appreciate that. I love your vision, empowering entrepreneurs, and I love what you said. Let's actually get into the color side. So as you know, I'm a designer. So, so I see your color palette, guys. So if you click on the link above, you should be able to download the color palette. Uh, it has a mixture of around uh, six colors, two being primary and the other ones are secondary. So, so Felicia, let's talk about the colors. So tell us what does these colors represent to you and why did you choose them? Well, first, I wanted to, to merge um, femininity with masculinity. I find that a lot of, and it's, it's uh, a, a decision, I guess, it's personal taste as well, that a lot of women's businesses, they're pink and they have flowers and 
and it's 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 very ethereal and I love that but I wanted to to merge masculine with feminine I also wanted to look at for me brown is the color of earth very grounding um, and then the lighter color and the orange, it's like a dirty orange. Orange for me is the color for energy. So when I look at those two particular colors, brown and the color of energy, it has to do with what's happening with the planet, who we are as people, that we come from the ground. And the color scheme that I picked um, represents butterflies. And a butterfly is very important for me. It, it represents transformation. And one of my favorite quotes that, you know, no one really, no one pretty much, no one gives credit to the caterpillar. You know, we all talk about the butterfly, but we never talk about the transformation that takes place. And in my life, I've had so many transformations and so many different lives that I've been able to live that I think that to encourage other people that they can do the same that no matter where you are, that everyone has to have a starting point from someplace. And it's usually from the ground up. And that's the brown color. The the gray is part, the gray, it's like a partial gray sky. And I have that as colors and pinks and browns. But for the most part, the two primary colors I have represent the earth. <laughs> I love the fact that, you know, people don't pay attention to the caterpillar. That is absolutely true. So, so, so guys, you know, I, I want you to understand that, you know, colors play a very vital role in terms of the psychology, uh, human psychology and how people perceive it. So it's important that you pay attention to your color palette. So I wanted to quickly uh, let people know that her palette has the primary color is caf Cafe Neuer. The hex, you know, the hexadecimal values are also listed. Uh, so every color has actually a name. So the, although Felicia said orange, but the actual hexadecimal value, the name of that color is mustard brown. Uh, the pink she was referring to is called as a dark salmon, then light gray, bright gray, and alabaster. So. So the thing which I'm trying to, trying to say is that having a compelling palette and, and along with that, you know, knowing what those colors indicate and symbolize, you know, really helps you to shape up your brand. So please invest time, energy and resources to make it happen. So Felicia, I'm going to quickly pin your link again uh, to your website. I wanted to ask you, my final question, is there any uh, any upcoming events, promotions or any special offers you'd like to promote uh, on my show today? And, and how can people reach out to you? Um, well, I'm going to be having a how to work with you guide, um, actually working with um, some people within uh, Clubhouse. We had a room where we talked about um, with sales and how people, which you just mentioned about their inability to close. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that a lot of creative people are not taught how to actually sell um, their, or, or to market. They're taught to create their talent and then pretty much that's it. And one of the major barriers is not establishing boundaries as to who you work with and who you don't work with. And having a how to work with you guide tells things the important, like what type of tender do you take? You need to let people know that you don't take rubles. You need to let people know that you're taking pay, you know, if you take PayPal and you don't take Cash App. Um, you need to inform people that you have a process. What is your process? And you also want to let people know who you don't work with um, and what your transformation is um, and who your ideal client typically is and what are the characteristics of that person. And for myself, I always say I'm looking for someone who's looking for it has a very specific problem. They have a defined budget 
they have a timeline for when they were looking to have things completed. And that timeline is within 30 to 60 days and that their budget is aligned with my budget. So most of the people that are my ideal client, they have already been searching for the solution to their problem and narrowed it down to three. And now I'm one of those three people. And that's really important to say to people as part of your how to work with you guide. And um, I will be making it available and premiering that this month before the end of this month. And we're going to uh, promote when we're going to host the room and teach uh, of other creatives how to work better and actually uh, make sure that you have discovery calls and your calendars are filled with people who are uh, considered to be qualified leads. And what happens is most people are not qualifying the lead if they're a creative. They're just happy that people are interested in their work. And there's a process that goes to that as part of lead generation. But a lot of creatives, and specifically we're going to be doing it for creatives, are not taught that process. That you feel if someone says that they're interested in your work, that they really legitimately are interested in your work. And a lot of times they are just curious you know, or they're just conducting research. So the people that you're looking to attract are people who are ready to buy. They are in, when someone, and you go to a car dealership and they want to know, are you in the market? And if you say, yeah, I'm looking to, waiting for my tax return to come in, they're going to, uh, you know, salespeople walk away because you're not in the market right now. So if you're in the market in the next 30 days, and, you know, that's something that they're interested in because you can give that person information and you do want to make sure and ensure that each person that you encounter has a great client experience. So you don't want to walk away from people. You don't want to dismiss people, but people that are looking for your lead magnet that say that it's free, that's all that they want. So make sure you have a lead magnet that's just a, a, a quick, maybe a list, a checklist or something like that, that you can give away to people so that people that are just interested in the freebie, they can go. And then you have people that they're interested, but they're not in the market right now. You provide them with something else, a little bit something more substantial in terms of your lead magnet, that you're going to get their email address and touch upon those people. And then you have people who are just really picky and they can't make a decision to like paralysis analysis. You know, you, you know, refer them to a case study, refer them to a white paper. So you want to be able to give each person a parting gift and say, thank you so much for your interest because you never know at what level at what time that person might come back and, um, you know, be your ideal customer. And then obviously you have your ideal customer and that's the person that you really are looking to do business right now, but never dismiss people, never negate people. Just make sure that you're armed with information that suits the stage and that person's um, journey as a customer, their customer journey that you have defined that and you understand that there are people that are just, they're just now becoming aware of you. They don't really know what you're about. Those are people that might just want your digital brochure or they maybe just want your business card. Maybe the next level, the person is conducting research, they're gonna you know, have your website. So you wanna be able to have all of your assets available digitally that you can provide people a link to, of that information so that each person is leaving with a different tidbit of information, but they should have all the links to everything, but you wanna point out something for them. So you make sure you have all your social platforms, all of your information, your website, your case studies, all in one link. And then for, for instance, you give somebody in hand, you hand them a brochure because they feel like when you left with something, they felt like you heard what they said 
and the basic information they were on that journey and they don't feel pressured. The next person, you give them the link, but now you give them some more additional information. And listening to your customer to find out what it is very specifically that they're asking for, if you're giving exactly what they asked for. If they specifically ask for a case study, make sure you give them the case study. If they specifically say, no, I don't want a brochure, I, I just want to go to your website, give them what they ask for. So it's the intention of being service oriented, listening to what they're asking for, providing what they're asking for, and making sure that you've made contact with each one of those people and making sure that you capture their information via email, you know, um, a customer relation management database, and that you're putting it you know, in your database to nurture them further because you never know when they might come back. And what we're looking to do is have a workshop about that. And then I'm going to be offering a template and other people that I'll be working with that we're, I'm going to be selling like a small ebook with the template on how to create a how to work with me guide. And it's really critical that you let people know. So I always give an example. You sell somebody a, um, a picture frame and someone would actually came back and said that they wanted to complain about that particular merchant because it didn't come with the family that was in the picture. And you're thinking, you just purchased a picture frame. You didn't, <laughs> and they're thinking to themselves that the picture came with the frame. So if you're not stating very specifically that this is, you know, this picture frame is sterling silver, it's five by seven, and the picture is for, you know, um, you know illustration purposes only. You have to make sure you're very specific about the products and the services that you offer. If you say that you give coaching, say how many coaching sessions and how length, the length of time that that coaching session is going to take place. Is it going to be via Zoom? Um, what's your cancellation policy? All those different things, terms, conditions, all those things should go into a how to work with me guide because if a person gets to that level, they're very that interested and you provide them that link. When they read that information, if they don't contact you back, they're either a not your customer or they're really thinking about whether or not they want to work with you. Maybe it's not a good alignment, but you've provided that cust that customer with that information and it answers so many different questions that maybe it brings up additional questions and maybe they will call you and you can follow up if they decide they want to hit your link and speak with you further. And that is really critical to the lead generation process. And I see a lot of people not doing it. Instead, they're out there just getting people's numbers. People are making appointments with you and you go on the calendar and they're like, oh, I just wanted to talk to someone. My wife died. I had no one to talk to. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> okay. You're gonna be nice to that person, but you were you in the market for what it is that I was offering? Or if you only offer something in five colors and the person wants to know, does it come in seven? If that's something that you're able to do and do custom, then that should be in the how to work with you guys. Do you offer customer, do you offer offer custom services? I offer service packages, but I'm asked all the time, do you offer something? Can I put together my own particular package? And I say, yes, you can, because it's not going to cost me any additional money, but you put that in the how to work with me guide. The hours of your operation, um, what days do you work and you don't work, things like that so that people are aware that you have boundaries as a professional you should set boundaries with people and let them know exactly how you work and um, if someone's asking for a project that's going to cost you more money to produce that product or service than it is than you would to be paid for it then you're not a good fit for that person so 
I will have that um, coming up. We're working on that right now, and hopefully we'll be able to do that before the end of March. And then I will have that on my website and, of course, on my social media that the uh, How to Work With You guide and template will be available. And the, the two other people that are working for this, Simon, and I forgot the other gentleman's name that's in sales, and he said that it was really critical that he said, yeah, he finds that a lot of mistakes that are being made in that process, and it typically happens with people that are creative because you're so good at what you're doing doing and create, you know, of coming up with a creative product that they're not really taught about dealing with the public when it comes to sales. It's really easy when you're dealing business to business because people are very professional. You would never call, you know, CBS News and 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 ask, can you have something in 18 different colors? If you came from ABC, you would know that that's not within the industry. But when you're dealing with the general public, the general public, you're dealing with all different ranges of people who come from all different walks of life and knowledge. And as I said, there are people who really want the picture of the family to be included in the picture and really are upset when they don't receive that. So you just have to make certain things clear in a how to work with you guide so that you're on the same page before you start discussing actual business. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Felicia. So I, I wanted to quickly say thanks to Adrian down there for commenting on chat. Uh, we hear you, brother. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for patiently waiting here. Uh, and and Felicia, so, so I wanted to quickly let people know that please click on the link above, bookmark it. Okay, so that you can reach out to Felicia and, and take advantage of her expertise. She's also available on Instagram. So if you click on her profile, you should be able to see her IG details. So that's one of the a few ways how she can uh, you can get in touch with her. She is a true genius. She has more than 30 years of experience in this uh, field. And I, I feel she offers tremendous value uh, to her ideal audience. So, so do check out her offerings and I'm sure it's going to help us both. I wanted to quickly acknowledge Girish who joined the conversation. So he's one of our founding fathers for my podcast and he's one of my mentors. So thank you so much Girish for being here. Uh, I understand you were not able to join in uh, early today, but thank you so much for being here. Is there anything you'd like to contribute? No, but thank you so much Felicia for giving the small nuggets about whatever I've heard so far. And uh, I'm going to definitely listen to this replay and, and listen to the Spotify whenever he publishes it. Uh, but thank you again for being here and, and supporting uh, Jason on, on his uh, platform. Well, thank you so much for having me. And Garash, you've just done a fabulous job with mentoring Jason. And he has created such a, a wonderful platform, a network that he has built of mentorships and people that are so supportive of him. And I'm one of them. And, and I appreciate the fact that you've poured into him. And look at look at the fruit of all of his labor, the, the, the shows that he's done, the accomplishments, the professionalism. It's just awesome to watch him grow. I, I just showed him the guidance. He did all the work, actually. So thanks. Thank yeah, you. he's being very moderate there. <laughs> so, it was not, he kicked my ass to make it happen. That's the truth. <laughs> so thank you so much guys i want to quickly let you guys know that if you plan on starting a podcast it's good to get some help uh, because you know it's it's not like you know we think it's see the infrastructure the setup is is you know you can start with something very basic but you know you need to have uh you know the, the things certain things in place like the format of the show 
what you're going to do, whether it's going to be an interview, whether it's going to be just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I think, uh, you know, taking help from somebody who has experience really makes sense. And it's also possible, see, I'm a designer, so I can edit my audio, you know, make collaterals for it. So it's possible that you may need a helping hand. So Girish does have a production house. So I would recommend you to get in touch with him. Uh, he sh should be able to guide you and get some direction. And then as a friend, like, you know, he can just help you as a friend. So that's just my personal advice. So thank you so much, Girish. We would be moving towards the end of our show. And I want to thank each and everybody here uh, who joined our conversation, especially Natasha, Helena, uh, and Elena. Uh, you know, for consistently, you know, staying throughout the show, it's almost been like, you know, 120 minutes. So you guys been here for two hours. I appreciate you offering your time, listening to what we had to share today. And and Deborah, Giovanni and Adrian, thank you guys for listening in. I would recommend you to come back next week on Wednesday because I'm going to have another guest. This is the format which I'm going to be following for all my future shows. I hope you guys love it. Uh, if you do feel there is something which I can do better, feel free to DM me anytime. I'm very open guy when it comes to uh, getting criticism, feedback, whatever you call it, you know, because I have the learning and unlearning mindset. So I'm always willing to grow. Uh, as entrepreneurs, remember, you no, don't step over people to grow lift people up and that's how you actually grow so have this mindset in mind and and be open to actually learn and unlearn uh, because you know that's how entrepreneurship is about you may get something right it's not necessary it's always going to work out for you so be open so on that note uh uh, I want to quickly say thanks to Felicia once again uh, for being a part of today's show I will be uploading uh, this audio uh on spotify in a, in a few hours so you should have it on all audio-based broadcasting platforms i have also pinned the link to the top uh, uh that's my link tree i want you guys to understand that you can support me in a couple of ways one way you can support the show is by donating so the audio quality the improvement which you see is is uh, there are many people who actually donated on my show help me to fund equipments and that's how uh, you know we have grown so you can continue supporting me by donating the second way how you can help me uh, is by uh, engaging in my brand uh, strategy call which i also offer similar to felicia we find out the core uh, of your brand okay so uh, that's a part of my process you can also hire me to create or redesign your company logos so if you click on this link tree bookmark it again you should be able to see uh, some of the offerings which i have available so please reach out to me if you see value in it do check out my website i made the website by myself uh, you should have a uh, a plethora of information, case studies, and everything which I have done. Uh, you should be able to pretty much see what I bring to the table by just having a look at it. So thank you once again. I'm going to play a song. I'm going to play that song by Tisto or Tisto about the business one, <laughs> and we will wind up the room. So do you have, have do you have any final thoughts, Felicia, before we close? No, just thank everyone for listening. And thank you, Jason, for inviting us. Thank you, Ray Ray, for your pink Cadillac. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the support. And I want to mention and Ray Ray people other rooms that I've been in where the, the audio has been terrible like it is right oh now. Oh my god, it's that's, um, your, that, that's, your, that's new, what it is. that's your new business um song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't, you couldn't, but, you, you couldn't, know, you couldn't coordinate that one, girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. 
I could do. But I really appreciate when people stand in the gap for other people, that that's how you do. You raise other people up by, you know, you lift other people up and you take people along the way. And when bad things happen, actually stand behind you when you build a nice network of really talented people that um, are authentic. I think everybody in the room, when you bring your authenticity, you can't be anyone else. You know, everyone else is taken. Be more of yourself. Try to be more of yourself. That's that's the only thing I could I could say. And I thank Jason so much for the platform and the opportunity. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I... Yeah, Felicia, I just wanted to say that um, this room in my car, the hot pink Ferrari for you and Jason. And, you know, we're going to open the hash and just drive away. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. <laughs> and we're going to play this track when you when we drive around in your Ferrari. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I love you all. Uh, please use the time when I play the song to follow one another and support the club and, and bookmark all the links, you know. So thank you so much. Thank you. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Mama, please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak My friends keep telling me to leave this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business